Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Hard Run Box podcast for episode six. We've got Steve here to talk about some feedback on his latest Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty benchmark video and why he did not use DLSS and FSR upscaling in it, which was obviously a hot topic. We're also going to be going through and ranking all of the current generation GPUs from worst to best. Some very robust discussion there, maybe some surprise choices in our ranking and just some brief news topics as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. So Steve, happy birthday. <laughs> happy oh. well, it's not, not for today. I believe it was yesterday. Have I gotten the days right? It was your birthday yesterday. Maybe. We don't need to talk about it. Why not? <laughs> uh, are you an old man now? Like what what what, what age did you did I, you turn? I don't, you don't think... want to tell people. <laughs> I don't think it matters. You've been calling me an old man for about seven years now, so it's not helping my helping me at all. Um, <laughs> no, well, my birthday was yesterday. Thanks for remembering, Tim. Uh, and I did turn 40. So Okay, congratulations. Thank you. Nice. Big milestone. Did you yep. do anything? Do you have any um, any family over, big party? Uh, no, we're, do- we're actually having uh, a big party in December. We're going up north to do that because my other cousin, who I'm quite close with, he's also turning 40. So we thought let's just combine the 40ths and oh, nice. use an excuse for a lot of the extended family. It doesn't get to catch up a lot to, to catch up. So we're doing that. That'll be fun. Uh, but as for birthday celebrations yesterday, pretty low key, uh, just helped bail and work on the Q and A's, did a few things around the house and stuff. And yeah, we've got some family coming over anyway for an unrelated thing. So, you know, it's good anyway. Good, good, good excuse for a barbecue and all of that. Yep. 40 now, nothing's changed. Still enjoy benchmarking and doing all the YouTube stuff and having Tim and even Balin now give me a hard time about being an old man. So I have to yeah, hire good. someone who's very close to being a senior citizen because then it will be awkward for you to rip on me all the time, maybe. I, I don't guess know. so. It'll be a bit more of like a like I could compare you a bit better in mm-hmm. terms of age because you're the only reference point. So mm-hmm. it's like you're mm-hmm. the old man on the team. <laughs> but if there was an even older man, yep. then th- things would have to reset a little bit. But yeah, so yeah, hopefully everything was going well. I wanted to start off this podcast with, I guess, a f- like a feedback episode because okay. – 
Steve, you've been destroyed in the comments of your CP Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty benchmarking. When am I not destroyed in the comments? It's like just the thing that I do now or have been doing for a long time. Yeah, that's good fun. I love it. I mean, destroying is probably harsh maybe. It's not a full destruction of you, but there were some people that were annoyed about the way that you tested the game, which I think it's probably worth talking about in the Mm -hmm. podcast. So I guess the main criticism was that you tested native resolution for all of the testing that was done. So you Mm -hmm. tested 4K, 1440p, 1080p native resolution across multiple different quality settings, including ray tracing, ultra rasterization, medium, Mm -hmm. things like that. And so the discussion was from some people, maybe a bit more on Reddit than in the comments, but Mm -hmm. that, Steve, you should have used DLSS. What's going on? People play with DLSS on Mm -hmm. and you didn't test that way. So explain yourself. (laughs) Put me in the hot seat, Tim. Well, <laughs> to be fair, I do understand that criticism uh, fully, really. And I did ask you when I was entering the benchmarking, having you know, you'd ex- you've you've played Cyberpunk a lot more than me. It's the type of game you enjoy. You're planning on sinking quite a bit of time into it, and you've done extensive testing at that point already for your optimization guide. So I said to you, you know, I'm thinking of testing ultra ray tracing ultra and then probably drop down to medium since high is pretty close to ultra and it sits somewhere between medium and an ultra anyway mm-hmm. and then i uh, so i'm like that's three presets for at three and there'll be three resolutions with just a disgusting amount of gpus tested do you think i need to enable dlss for any of these presets and i was on the fence i was like i can make arguments for or against and obviously if we're advertising it though to be 4k results you kind of want it to be 4k results but then i also get the argument that most people gaming at 4k that have say an rtx gpu would enable at least dlss quality which i yeah. totally agree with so it was it was tough which way to go there and obviously it'd be great to do all the testing again with fsr and dlss and all that sort of stuff but it's like Guys, <laughs> I either test just a handful of GPUs and do a ridiculous amount of different quality setting testing, or I test a heap of GPUs, which is what we've traditionally done, and that somewhat limits the scope. I mean, at the, in the beginning, we were only testing one preset because there was just so many GPUs, but now you know, we, we throw so much more time and energy into the content, and we can sort of justify that given that we get our return on investment. So I slave away benchmarking nothing but gpus for 18 hours a day for sometimes four five six days in a row so yeah i asked you and it was kind of all hinged on your decision there really because i could go either way i wasn't really sure what the best way to approach it was i know traditionally we've liked apples to apples testing uh and yeah i asked you and you said i would test without dlss and fsr because that's apples to apples uh it gives you the most accurate comparative data uh and for whatever other reasons you came up with at the time but it, that was essentially i think the main ones yeah i guess i've burnt myself a little bit there but i think <laughs> <laughs> no nah, because i still stand by that opinion i think yeah the, the, obviously the scope of the testing is is very important but mm-hmm. I, I guess i was under the impression that most people were aware of how dlss and fsr impacted games in general mm-hmm. so including cyberpunk but also other titles so the most important data that you'd want is how does the game scale across presets? So if we're going Mm -hmm. to be testing a certain number of configurations, you'd want to prefer presets over testing, say, ultra and then ultra with upscaling because you can already look at previous content to sort of see what sort of uplifts you get across games. It's it's pretty similar. Mm -hmm. 
So I was sort of under the assumption that people would be applying our previous videos to your cyberpunk video and sort of going, oh, okay, well, you know, at 4K, I'm only going to be getting about 30 FPS, but then I can expect maybe 50% more performance via DLSS. Alternatively, you would just look at, say, the 1440p data instead and then go, okay, well, that's m probably more in line with what I would be seeing under mm -hmm. the configuration that I'm running, which mm -hmm. is 4K, maybe DLSS performance or balanced or something like that. So I guess I was under that assumption, but I totally get, as you say, I, I totally get the opinion of people who sort of say, well, you know, I'm using this game benchmark as sort of a way to see the exact FPS I can expect in the game, which is kind of different to... Mm you know, a, a GPU benchmark where it's more about the margins between products, you want to know the percentage differences. Mm -hmm. With like a cyberpunk benchmark, it's more like, am I getting the acceptable level of performance that I want? And so by not putting upscaling benchmarks in there, you're sort of making it a bit more difficult for people. So yeah, I, I think it's from that perspective, it's kind of hard to make a call either way. Like, would we have preferred to emit, say, the medium testing and tested with DLSS instead, or is the medium data more important for people? Like, um, that's the problem. I'm not sure. And, I mean, obviously, these little comments that we see that are short and simple, they're very black and white. Uh, the people making the comments either don't understand the complexity of the subject they're discussing, or they just want it their way or the highway. It's such an intricate thing. Like, if, say, for example, we decide that we're going to test with DLSS and FSR, and again, we can't, there's a limit to the amount of testing we can do. Again, as I've said, it's either test maybe 12 GPUs max with a lot of different configurations or test, I don't know how many I tested, 30 GPUs with more limited. Mm -hmm. And we're sort of filling that gap in content where we're testing as much as humanly possible with as many different configurations as humanly possible in the time allotted. And then there's others that will go out there and they'll test fewer GPUs with more configurations. And the idea is to give you, like, it doesn't, it's kind of useless if everyone tests the same GPUs and the same configurations and gives you similar data. Like, I hate it when people are really upset that you didn't do this thing. And then in their head, they come up with some crazy conspiracy theory as to why you did that. Like, the AMD biased. And it's funny because the, one of the main reasons we don't do FSR versus DLSS testing is because we believe it's unfair on NVIDIA. And as we've proven in a very detailed video that was directed at dumb Reddit comments, is that for the most part, DLSS quality and FSR quality scale the same, whether it be at 1080p, 1440p, or 4K, you're going to get a very similar percentage uplift in terms of performance. It's not a pro for AMD, for example, not to use upscaling. If, if anything, yep. it's advantage AMD, because especially yes. at 1080p, you're getting the same performance uplift on a Radeon GPU as you are a GeForce GPU using DLSS, FSR for the Radeon GPU. The same performance uplift, but especially at 1080p, the image quality is better with DLSS. But in the graph, mm -hmm. we're showing... so It's, it's benchmark cheating, in my opinion. It is benchmark cheating, for sure. And it doesn't change anything. Like, people are... I see these really, really moronic comments. I'm sorry, there's no other way to put it. Really dumb, ignorant comments on Reddit suggesting that we're pro-AMD and that's why we didn't include DLSS. 
And it's like, if we had have included DLSS and FSR, you would have seen the same margins we presented to you. The comment then becomes like, well, you should only test DLSS and emit FSR, which is oh, then we get God. the opposite side of the comments, right? Which is like, you can't, you can't use do one. That. You can't and do we that. already... We already decided previously with a previous controversy, which was when I think you tested a handful of games just with FSR because FSR runs across mm -hmm. all GPUs. Mm, oh God. And then people were like, well, as an NVIDIA user, I realistically wouldn't be using FSR. I'd be using DLSS in that game. So you should be testing DLSS for NVIDIA yeah. and FSR for AMD. And so there was that whole hoo-ha and we ended up settling on native resolution testing is sort of the solution there, which mm -hmm. I guess for this video is sort of... it's almost gone the other way like people wanted to go back to the way you were testing previously but i mean i agree that if you tested dlss and fsr in the same chart you are allowing amd to cheat at some resolutions mm -hmm. especially 1080p mm -hmm. and 1440p mm -hmm. and that creates a whole can of worms because as soon as you move away from apples to apples testing you're sort of allowing this subjective quality of the frame doesn't matter anymore mm -hmm. then that opens even further manipulations from companies in the future so if because you know because companies are aware of how people benchmark and test products so they're going to know that you know most people are testing apples to apples native resolution so we need to make sure the performance is as good as it can be for that situation but if everyone moves away from that and starts going well the quality doesn't matter anymore like we're just going with whatever like it could be basing off the same render resolution or whatever the case may be, they could start pulling some really dodgy moves to increase the FPS number. Like, mm -hmm. for example, if let's say AMD comes up with some way to take FSR quality, they reduce the quality of it even further by doing some weird tweaks like, I don't know, manually going in and turning down shadow quality in all games or something. So they're even further behind, but that gives them an even larger you know, number in the chart then they're becoming inflated compared mm -hmm. to the competition and no one's assessing the quality of the frame anymore. Like no one cares. So you just end up with this race where each company is going to start doing more and more techniques to reduce the quality of the image to make their rendering technique faster so that they appear higher in the performance charts, which it, I think no one wants that. No, and it becomes even messier than that because, you, you know, someone listening might go, well, you would analyze the image and you would say that AMD's image quality is worse, but it becomes such a subjective measurement. It just becomes impossible. Like people could argue that, oh, I don't mind that shadow quality reduced because the performance uplift is better or in some instances, I think it looks better. And that's what, you know, you've even said with mm -hmm. you came out, you made a very detailed video that I know you sunk a stupid amount of time into and your uh, general conclusion was that DLSS looks better than FSR. Mm -hmm. And then we saw so many reply articles and comments and things on Reddit and even people like spending so much of their life attacking that content saying that Tim doesn't know what he's talking about or he's got to use these video analysis tools and you know all of these different things and that and it was just really... It was their opinion differed to yours based on something that's mm -hmm. fairly subjective. But I think most people agree that DLSS does look better than FSR, especially at low resolutions. But to what degree does DLSS look better? Like put a mm. number to it. Yeah, I know. You like can't. What, what number do you, you choose? And it, it, even when we tested 26 games, like the artifacts and like the way each of the technologies work, you kind of get a feel for. So you test, you look at 26 DLSS games and 26 FSR games 
you tend to run into the same sort of issues mm-hmm. and same sort of artifacts. But it still can vary on a game-by-game game basis. Like DLSS has various different presets that developers can use. They're, they're labeled like A, B, C, D, that sort of thing. And s- developers can actually choose whether they use something that uh, you know takes into account more temporal information, which tends to increase ghosting because it's accumulating across more frames, or a technique that like almost preferences the current frame which reduces ghosting but introduces more shimmering and things because it's not you know accumulating over multiple frames so developers will tend to use that sort of preset for like a fast-paced game and they'd use the more accumulation one for a low-paced game which means that even you know it really depends on which one they choose as to what sort of artifacts you get and then it comes a subjective evaluation of like well is ghosting or shimmering worse? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you answer that question? Like, so, to, yeah, like some it depends on the game. Some people are more sensitive to different things. So we've seen comments as well, like, "Oh, you should be trying to match up the quality <laughs> of DLSS versus the quality of FSR." So that might mean using DLSS performance versus FSR quality. <sighs> which is how could we do that without copying criticism? Like, you're just opening yourself up to basically any sort of manipulation or bias that we could possibly be criticized for, we will be criticized for, for testing that way. Like imagine if we chose to test DLSS performance up against FSR quality, we would never hear the end of it. Ah, that'd be so, it'd be so bad as well. It'd be, but I mean, this is where. Yeah. And it's not a good way to test. Like, let's be clear. I'm not just saying I'm scared of criticism calling us biased or whatever. It's just a bad way to test because you're subjectively. It's very bad. Yeah. You're subjectively saying like these issues are worse than these issues, which is. You know, it's and quite difficult. You, you're essentially we're giving AMD and Nvidia an inch, and you know what happens when you give one of those mm-hmm. companies an inch. This is where gamers, especially, I don't, I, I shouldn't generalize and say gamers, but this is where the extremist type gamers that you see on Reddit that are attacking somebody for disagreeing or not using the same hardware as them, and because that's becoming more prevalent because there's just so many more of them now because the percentage of gamers has increased it's where they're going to shoot themselves in the foot and ruin gaming for everyone it's it's going to allow as you've said like amd and nvidia to run wild and like cheating will just be a way of life for these benchmarks it used to be back in the day that if the image quality wasn't exactly the same if one company was just like cutting the corners a little bit to get a few more fps they'd get called out It'd be cheating. It'd be this huge controversy, and it'd get a and then oh, it was a driver bug. We're solving that, and it'll Mm -hmm. get fixed. But now, extreme or enthusiast gamers, the ones that are on Reddit that are you know complaining about all this stuff, are pushing for that. Are encouraging this apples to orange testing. It's it's definitely not good, and it's it's going. I I can assure you, it's going to send us down a bad path that is not good for gamers, and it's. is going to be bad for future GPU generations. It's not going to be good. I think we're sort of almost heading down that path now. Like some of AMD's recent, we can talk about NVIDIA later as well, but I think AMD specifically with their like 7800 XT announcements and stuff, they were talking more about HyperRx, FSR3, FSR fluid motion frames in the driver and things like that. And they were Mm -hmm. sort of doing those comparisons where it's like, all that tech off versus all that tech on. They're including things like Radeon Boost in there, which in my opinion is not a very good feature. (laughs) Like it does work, but it's not moving your mouse and having the resolution of the game drop is in my opinion, quite a jarring experience. Like those mouse movements cause a lot of change in frame rate, which Mm -hmm. is, you you don't want big jumps in frame rate like that. Uh, Again, uh, this is based on my testing from quite a while ago. I don't know if they've improved that, but You know, I wouldn't say that Radeon Boost delivers the same image quality as native resolution, which tends to be the argument for why 
you know, this Apple Store Orange's DLSS versus native testing or whatever is acceptable is because it's like close to native or better than native. Now, I'd say Radio and Boost is not better than native. Mm-hmm. You know, if we get to fluid motion frames like frame generation in the driver from, you know, AMD, I'd be very surprised if that was able to deliver native image quality. Very, very, very surprised. <laughs> I know no some, chance. <laughs> some people have previewed it and they say that it's okay. Mm. I haven't seen it. I, Again, like I'm not holding my breath for that. But then if you're allowing AMD to go, well, we can just enable Radeon Boost and fluid motion frames in the driver for all of our GPU testing moving forward, then suddenly you get these like first-party performance charts that are just pointless Mm -hmm. because you're comparing one generation to another with all these weird features enabled. And then obviously NVIDIA could do similar things. Like they could just go, okay, well, now we're putting frame our frame generation tech in the driver and we're going to start comparing the same way and eventually you get to the point where all performance testing and comparisons are just totally meaningless like the charts just just are pointless like there's no point looking at them yep and again we so, uh, that reminds me on reddit where again we, i saw some comments where people were like you know if steve is sensitive to latency and you know isn't a big fan of frame generation because of that then just enable reflex it's like <laughs> you you can enable reflex without enabling frame generation. Like they're kind of drinking the Kool-Aid yep. straight from NVIDIA where NVIDIA do exactly that. Like they enable all these technologies and say, look, it, it, latency improves with frame generation because we're able to enable reflex. Those two technologies don't have to go together. You can run reflex yeah. without it. So it it's the point's null and void. Like it's still worse. Um uh, but yeah, we're going to see more of that as well, where they're doing exactly what you said. So it makes it a challenge for testing. I mean, it's more difficult than ever for this. And I feel like you can make a case for all these different ways of testing. I feel like we've hopefully in this podcast at least made a fairly strong case for why we test with native resolution primarily, as opposed to doing it the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's only going to get harder from here. I think. I think if I had my time again, I would try and do. I'd try and add a fourth configuration, which would be an enormous undertaking. Uh, it would take me a bit more time. It would have delayed the content, but I would have liked probably to add a DLSS quality and FSR quality ultra ray tracing set of results as well. I feel like if you're mm-hmm. going to do that, you have to have the native as well. So at least you've got the native apples to apples results. And then you can be like, well, you're probably going to use DLSS quality or FSR quality, depending on the GPU you're using. So here are those results. Um, mm-hmm. that, that'd be a perfect, you know, in a perfect world, I would have liked to have done that. We we definitely prioritize the native sort of apples to apples test that we've talked about. But yeah, it's like there's only so much time and energy we have to throw at this content. And so we mm. do what we think is best. Again, most people I think that watch the video appreciate the testing and enjoyed the way we went about it. And really, we, you know, we know you can't please everyone. So no matter how much data we include, no matter how much testing we do, there's always going to be someone who's upset because yeah, that's just... That's how it goes. I saw people also accusing us of not including path tracing because we're pro AMD and, you know, AMD can't do that. And that's why that wasn't in the video. It's like, we didn't include path tracing because like two GPUs can kind of do it. The game even says it's a tech demo and isn't really meant to be played that well or that way rather. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, the ray tracing results that you showed in the video as is kind of showed NVIDIA (laughs) dominating that anyway. (laughs) It's a pretty funny, look, I honestly saw quite an alarming amount of people making that claim that we didn't include path tracing because yeah, AMD gets wrecked. And I'm like, do do you not see the the ultra RT results champ? Like they got annihilated. I even said in the video, I'm like, AMD gets wrecked here. Like, I I don't know what more they want me to do. 
Yeah, I mean, I path tracing, it's kind of at the point where, you know, does the performance even matter? Like, mm. obviously, it, it matters if you can't run it, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you, you want to know what the threshold is between being able to run and not being able to run it. But you're not playing path tracing for high levels of performance right now. Like, you're clearly sacrificing performance to turn on that feature. And so, you know, people are going, they're, they're playing it with super resolution, frame generation, all that stuff enabled. Fair enough if that's the way you want to play. But to me, it's not like a... But but no. even with those technologies enabled, how many GPUs can reach sixty FPS? So I think yeah, I think it's what like the forty ninety can definitely. do it. Definitely the forty eighty probably. Once you get down to like the forty seventy, I think it runs natively at like even at fourteen forty p at like fifteen twenty FPS. So. <laughs> I mean, I did use it for the optimization guide and well, I didn't show the raw FPS in the chart because they're all percentage difference charts. Mm-hmm. I think it was like it was getting about 60 FPS, just over 60 FPS using ultra settings rasterized mm-hmm. at 1440p mm-hmm. and then it was one quarter of the performance with path tracing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like realistically, it's like 30 FPS plus frame generation sort of stuff. Yeah, so those comments are a bit silly, I think. Like you're talking about two maybe three, but realistically probably two GeForce GPUs that can do it at uh, mm-hmm. a satisfactory level if you're okay with pretty low frame rate input. It just doesn't, it does not need to be included. The idea of the content is to show you how the various GPUs compare relative to one another. So the the frame rate, it almost doesn't need to be displayed in a frame rate, which I guess is kind of one of the problems and why people don't understand this content or some people uh, probably a minority don't understand the content it's really if you have a gpu that's either a gtx 1080 ti which was included or you know how your gpu compares to a 1080 ti if you have like an rtx 2060 or something like that you can go okay i've got the game i really want to play it i'm getting bugger all fps i want to improve it so here's roughly where my GPU fits in and I want to get to here. So what do I need? Oh, I need a 4070. Okay, I'll get that. It's it's not really about a frame rate so much, if you know what I mean. I know that is a frame rate performance tier, but if you know where you are, say you're, you're getting 30 FPS with your RTX 2060 and you want to double that, well, then you, you just go to the GPU that's twice as fast and there you go you know because you might be tweaking your settings as well and all that sort of stuff so it just lets you know where things are relative to one another i think that's the main takeaway from that content all right i've got another interesting idea for this week's podcast that i thought you know not mm-hmm. a huge week of news or anything so i thought we've got all of the gpus that we're pretty much expecting to be released this generation currently out on the market mm-hmm. Maybe we'll see a 4050 in the future, but the majority of the GPUs are out. So I figured we should go through and rank these GPUs from worst to best. Okay. Because why not? Let's do it on some vibes and things like that. So there's 13 current generation GPUs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not including Intel in here because while they technically are it's current, current generation. It's not, yeah, it's not current. It's kind of they're kind of more matching up with previous generation parts, and we would expect a future generation soon. I've also included the RX seventy nine hundred GRE in here, which isn't a full release, Mm -hmm. so to speak, but is sort of available. So obviously, the rest of the cards you'd be familiar with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, from worst to best. Now, did you want to start, or did you want me to start by first picking the worst GPU? 
So we're going worst to best, you said? Yes. Okay. Um, like one of the rules, is it like the based on the launch, like MSRP pricing, or is it based on like current market pricing? I think all that both of those would probably have to be factored in. Like okay. if it launches at a bad price and then improves, that's better than launching at a bad price and not improving. Okay. So I guess debate that as we go through as to mm-hmm. whether okay. those things are good for the um the ranking of and, that and, part. and it's not we're not focusing sort of a bias towards cost per frame or anything like that. It's just the what the product enables, its overall performance, feature, yeah, like, all that stuff. Okay. Things you would say in the review at the end, like okay. this is a terrible product or this is a good product, right? Oh, this so, is gonna be this is gonna be a a spicy section, I suspect. The worst GPU. Kick it off, Steve. The worst. I mean, it's gotta be the 4060Ti 16 gigabyte. It has dropped to 450 though. But realistically, that GPU should have started no higher than 400 and probably been more like 350. So I think it still retains. I, th- I think I think that would be the worst, would be the 16. Despite the fact that I really like this, that it has 16 gigabytes and I really wanted it, I didn't want it at the $500 US MSRP and I still don't really want it at 450 either. So do you think that's a fair one to start as the worst? I think so. I think the battle is mostly out of the 16 gig or the 8 gig card. I think the 16 gig card probably gets the worst spot just because it's not that much. I mean, it's really not faster well, than the this the 8 gig model. Would you say that the 16 gigabytes the worst and the 8 gigabyte? Like the kind of it's the same GPU. They were both well overpriced. So to make things simple, like what was worse than the 4060 Ti? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a card on the market that is worse than either of those products. And yeah, yeah I think the 16 gig card gets the slight edge there because, you know, the 8 gig card is bad, but it wasn't bad just because it had 8 gigabytes of memory. No. It also was not <laughs> impressive in its performance. That's $400. Uh, and it lost to the 3060 Ti in a lot of games. Or, or not, you know, not a lot, but more than you'd like over a sample of like 30 games. It was like probably five instances where it was slower um by a small margin um depending on i think maybe it was a fair bit slower in doom anyway it sucked so i think we can safely lock in those two um mm-hmm. configurations for the rtx 4062 as the worst so what would you go next that's a tough one i reckon yeah it's pretty tough i mean i think a candidate that i would highlight would be the geforce rtx 4080 as a Ooh, potential product because okay. that like it mm. is a high performance gpu but it's very it's way too expensive like it should not be $1200 it's currently $1100 that is also an egregious price um what's the 7900 XTX dropped to though because in my review i wasn't wrapped with the 7900 XTX and i felt that the RTX 4080 was a justifiable purchase at $200 US more as crazy as that sort of sounds but you did get frame generation for those of you who want to use that mm-hmm. Uh, you do get the superior upscaling technology. How much better that is is up for debate, but we believe overall it is a bit better, um, certainly better as the resolution comes down. Yeah, that's a fair point because the hmm. 7900 XTX I think is still $950 or thereabouts So currently. it's only so, so the gap's actually gotten smaller since my review. Yes. Percentage could be about the same, but it's it's only $150 more for the, the G- I don't, uh, 7900 XTX. It's a good GPU, but... Honestly, if I was tossing up between a 1700 XTX and an RTX 4080, the RTX 4080 was $150 US more. Ooh, I don't mm. know. I don't know. I'd be probably leaning towards the GeForce GPU on that comparison. Yeah, I think you have a fair point. I think I was coming from it more from a perspective of this generation versus last generation. It's a very unimpressive product and its cost per frame and relative performance compared to something like a 4090 is 
it scales pretty similarly. Okay. So ideally, I'd like to see a 4080 being priced more like $900. Mm-hmm. But you do make a good point that in this current market, it is you could definitely make a case for it over a 7900 XTX, and I don't think a 7900 XTX is the third worst GPU. This, so. this is your pick, so I don't want to manipulate it in any way. But what is that, has the RTX 4070 Ti come down from $800, or is that still $800? No, that's still $800. Ooh, so that's a bad $800 for 12 gigs of VRAM. Ooh, that's bad. That's All right, bad. I'll, I'll, that's a bad yeah. one. I think I'll pick that. Yeah. Um, as the next worst GPU. Okay. You make a good point there. This card should have 16 gigabytes of memory mm-hmm. if it's coming in at $800 US. Mm. And again, like these parts are just slotting into the you know, cost per frame value tier. So a 4070 Ti should be, in my opinion, significantly better value than a 4090. Like mm-hmm. you should be getting a much higher level of value there. And realistically, this card should be where the 4070 is right now at $600. So matching the, the pricing of the 3070 Ti, you'll be getting a good performance uplift. 12 gigabytes, hard to justify, but again, what are you going to do there? Mm-hmm. But yeah, in its current position and the fact that it hasn't come down in price at all, it feels like it's just ripping off customers, that one. Like mm-hmm. $800, it's a ripoff. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It certainly makes the RTX 4070 look half decent at $600. Well, it's dropped to $550 now. The next worst, gee, this is a tough one. I know you were going for the 4080, but honestly, I find like the RTX 4060 worse. Um, I also find the sure. RX 7600, though. That's. I mean, uh, we've got like a 7700 XT and 7900 XT to evaluate as well as two cards that were very bad at launch. The 7700 XT sucked, but... The 7900 XT has been adjusted in price, That's so it's a right. bit better now. The 7700 XT, though, hasn't, though we are much closer to that mm, product. Yeah, launching. I feel like that's probably a bit of... Yeah, I I would be... Le- like, it's a tough one, right? Because the 7900 XT, when it was down at $700 for a little bit there, that was a great mm. buy. It's back up to $800, I'd, I believe. I think it's pretty much hovering about there. Yep. That is the same price you'll pay for the 4070 Ti. And you do get 20 gigabytes of VRAM and better performance. But does it go next in line? It's so tough because most of them suck. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know. So it's really tough to... Because, because if, if we get to the... As we get to like the top five, people are going to think that we're like thinking these are good. And that's I definitely know, right? not the case. So well, I think I think at the point, ranking all 13 current generation GPUs from worst to best, it's probably like from worst to less trash. It's probably <laughs> better terminology for that one. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, to sort this one out, let's, I'll ask you a simple question. Okay. Would you be preferring to recommend to someone, let's say that, you know, with, budgets included and stuff, would you think it's better to buy a card in the lower price tier, so like 4060 or 7600 tier, or better to buy it in mm. sort of the 7900 XT, 4070 Ti tier? Because I think if one of those tiers is providing worse value right now, then you'd probably, that would determine which comes next Right, worse. so I'm not sure how much availability there still is for stuff like 6700 XT because they were up around $300. Um, mm-hmm. or down around $300 for them rather, which is close to an RTX 4060. So let's just pretend that they still exist because I haven't looked since I really reviewed those cards. I think the last last GPU pricing update, they're still very available. Like, 6750 XT around that $330 mark. Yeah, so therefore RTX 4060 is a terrible buy. So that would probably be my next one. I know we've gone heavy GeForce here, but typically you know they offer a lot mm-hmm. less value. But the RTX 4060s particularly egregious because frame generations 
much more questionable there because you're starting from a much lower base frame rate. Um, DLSS is also less useful because you've really got to use the quality mode and it's really only good, I would say, at 1440p and iffy mm -hmm. at 1080p. So upscaling is less useful the lower you go, which seems counterintuitive because you're more likely to want to use it, but that's just how it goes in terms of quality. I'm going to pick the RTX 4060. I'm going to do it because otherwise we'll be here forever. Yeah, and I think as well it dropped from 12 to 8 gigabytes of memory That's right. um, compared to the 3060. And the performance mm -hmm. is pretty close to the 3060 from memory. And of course, it is a little cheaper than that part, but just isn't that competitive. So I think with that in mind, the next choice is quite obvious in that I'd put the RX 7600 in there next. Yep. Uh, because while it is probably slightly easier to recommend than a 4060 it being around as the same performance it is a little cheaper has the same memory configuration so you're not really tossing up there too much and as you said about the features the radeon product you know the the feature difference is less relevant in this sort of price tier mm -hmm. but it's still a pretty terrible buy at 270 dollars. there are still a lot of last generation products that you could you definitely recommend over it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just so far hasn't made the case. I think we'd be ranking this maybe higher if it launched without all that stock available. Like if you couldn't just buy a mm -hmm. 6600 XT for like $230. Mm -hmm. but the fact that we're still months later and you can still purchase those cards easily, it really hasn't dropped to the 250 or less price that you flagged in your review either. Like mm -hmm. it's still pretty much a $270 GPU aside from like a few discounts every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So based on that, the value is really poor and I think that you just shouldn't buy it. That's fair. Well, I kind of have been overlooking a bit, which is um, I think pretty terrible is the GRE. So the MSRP mm -hmm. was 650. I don't I, can you buy it? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. It's meant to be six fifty US. The seventy eight hundred XT is five hundred dollars US. It's one hundred and fifty dollars US more. Uh, doesn't really offer anything. It's kind of the same product, I I believe, in terms of performance. And, yeah, same VRAM as well, isn't it? Yeah, Because yep. it's cut down to sixteen. That's right. Yeah. So it's same VRAM. I think the performance must be very close. I don't know if they were both in my seventy hundred XT review. I kind of ignored the Jari because it's you can't really buy it. Mm -hmm. Also, it's crap because you, you can't really buy it. So <laughs> I think the Jari would probably be my next one. I mean, I probably wouldn't have included it in this list because it sort of isn't a real product for, for most people. But anyway, we'll chuck the GRE in because that could that could go anywhere really. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair position. It, it, if the 7800 XT hadn't been released, I think that card would be looking a lot better because mm -hmm. back when you tested it, the 7800 XT wasn't available mm -hmm. and it did look reasonably good value compared to the I higher think, end AMD yeah, part. Yeah, because it was like the cheapest GPU you could get with 16 gigs of VRAM, right? From the current Something generation. Lines. Yes. So that made it. But, yeah, especially because was that before the 4060 Ti 16 gig, which um, then would have changed? Yeah, actually, you're right. I'm not sure. It may not have been. I don't know. Anyway, it's it, it's mm -hmm. not a product we can buy here, so it's somewhat irrelevant. Um, okay, so, so, so your pick. So the products that we have next still available are the 4090, 4080, and 4070 from NVIDIA, and the 7900 XTX, 7900 XT, 7800, and 7700 XTs. I think that one's so, pretty easy, right? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Am I going to say the car that you're thinking? I would have picked the 7700 yeah, XT yeah, yeah. as the next product. Yeah, that's the product. Um, I think that there's a chance for this product to be redeemed with the price cut down mm -hmm. to $400, mm -hmm. but right now we haven't seen that. At $450, it's obviously a terrible buy. You would mm -hmm. just buy the 7800 XT instead. 12 gigabytes of memory as well. It's not really offering like 
it's competing with the 4060 Ti tier cards, but it isn't like blowing them out of the water or anything. Like mm-hmm. the 4060 Ti 16 gigabyte is now the same price. So it doesn't really have like a memory advantage over the 4060 Ti tier anymore. And yeah, just one of those AMD fails where they just completely priced it wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it really shouldn't be in the position that it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that would be the next pick. Well, I think this is possibly the most controversial pick of the lot with six options remaining. I'm definitely going to upset some people with this one, I think, but I'm thinking the 1700 XTX. Probably it... interesting. Well, I honestly think it's 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 dropped by fifty dollars, mm-hmm. but the 4080 is dropped by a hundred dollars. We've already had that conversation where I I really think if if it was a bit cheaper, if it, it had dropped down to nine hundred dollars reliably, like that was the price, or if it launched at $900, that then I think the 4080 would be noticeably worse. Um, I'm really tossing up between the 1700XTX or maybe the RTX 4070. But I think the RTX 4070, it's only 12 gigs of VRAM, but it was $600. And for a long time there, it was actually one of the better value current generation mid mm. to sort of high-end mid-range card. Where yeah, it- I would have put a 4070 is better than a 4080, but... Again, it depends like what sort of what you're sort of after. Yeah, they're they're very similar for me. But yeah, I think the 4070 was better value. Yeah. I'm gonna chuck uh, I'm just gonna do it. I'm pulling the pin. It? The 7900 XTX. It's it's done. I'm not sure I would I would have gone to it first as like my first choice for this next card, but if you're thinking about like the sort of buyer that would be spending a thousand dollars on a GPU or thereabouts, you kind of want the best of the best type stuff in that tier. Mm-hmm. And AMD sort of struggled with the past couple of generations convincing people that their highest end GPU is worth that instead of just paying a little bit more to get the NVIDIA option. Mm-hmm. Like you have to think, if someone has allocated around $1,000 to spend on their GPU, would they be buying a 7900 XTX or would they just be spending a little more on a 4080? And I think most people would be buying the 4080 instead, even though I think it's not a great value card or mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. But it's got a stronger feature set. It's got, you know, the VRAM consideration isn't really something you'd swing to AMD on that front. Yeah, the the performance is sort of similar, but, well, you know, better at ray tracing, which you'd probably want to be using on a 4080. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's an interesting pick because I'm actually about to start re-benchmarking the 7900 XTX and RTX 4080 head-to-head in like mm-hmm. maybe 13 or 14 of the most recently released games. So you know, your Starfields and all, all that sort of stuff, um, Phantom Liberty, all those games, I'm going to test them with like an ultra-type preset. Then I'm going to test them with the ray-tracing preset that makes sense. And then yep. I'm going to test them with the ray-tracing preset that makes sense with the highest quality upscaling option available. So so that'll be interesting to see where they come out there. I I, I don't know. Um, and, and what conclusions you can draw from that data. But anyway, for now, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm going with the RTX 4080 as being the, the better buy of the two, especially at the current prices. And that's kind of the way I went in my 1700 XTX review as well. I just thought it was priced too closely. I know people were quite outraged by that because it was $200, but as you said, when you go to $1,000, what's 200 bucks? I think for the next segment, I personally would be tossing up between the RTX 4080 mm-hmm. and the 7900 XT as the next products. So I guess it comes down to how much weight do I place on the 7900 XT's MSRP being awful. So obviously when that card came out, it was impossible to recommend, mm-hmm. whereas the 4080 was like, eh, 
at launch. And then, you know, once we saw the 7900 XTX data, it was like, yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. But the 7900 XT was like, absolutely not. Like, big no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now it's more like, I could recommend that. Was mm -hmm. it 48? Uh -uh. Well, it's $300 US cheaper at current prices. Um, at, mm -hmm. at, it's at least $300 US cheaper if you're comparing the cheapest of the two, which is quite, yes. you know, $300 you're getting up there now. The 48 um, is faster. So. Yeah, they're very similar for Rasta though, and they do trade blows. True. If, if you enable ray tracing, yeah, the forty eighty obviously gets the nod there. I, I think mean, I would be. I like the seventeen hundred. I mean, the problem with the seven hundred XT is I like it a lot because it got down to like seven hundred or even seven fifty. That's true. And, I, and, I, and I've got it in my head that I, I really like that, <laughs> but now it's popped back up to eight hundred, and it's like, ugh. Like, yeah, I think if we're looking at all of the factors since launch, we'd have to sort of include. You know, the MSRP was bad, but the highest discounted price mm, was very good. Really and now good. it's sort of a little bit not as good. Mm -hmm. I, I think my first instinct here would have been to put the 4080 mm -hmm. into the next spot. I think yeah. that's what I would go with. I think that's fair. Originally, I was thinking putting this way down in like the third worst card, but you've convinced me that there's some merit to the RTX 4080, uh, especially compared to the current lineup. Yep. And yeah, I think that if you were a buyer that couldn't afford the 4090, so you you definitely did not have $1,600 US to spend, but you were still a high-end buyer with around $1,000 that you would buy the 4080 is sort of, I guess, where I would land on that one. Mm -hmm. So you're next up. We got down to four GPUs remaining, mm -hmm. two from each of the brands. <sighs> so it's, for me, it's either the 7900 XT goes next or the RTX 4070. I think that's fair. Yep. So, so the RTX 4070 is currently $600. It's $200 more for the 7700 XT, which it is quite a bit faster. You'll find ray tracing scenarios where it's slower. Well, the 4070 has um, come down to 550. Oh, that's true. It has come down to 550. So you yeah. get, get 8 gigs more VRAM on the Radeon GPU, but mm -hmm. 12 gigabytes probably mostly going to get you by for the next few years. Whew. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think with the current price cut, the forty seventy nudges ahead for me. That seem fair to you? So I think so. I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dump the seventeen hundred XT. I'll just put in the forty seventy next in in the chart because that's what I would be picking. Yeah, well, I agree um, with that. So now it's like I get the last pick, uh, and I think the look. This is a tough. I mean, we one. can debate this, right? This, yeah, you can debate it's... this, right? So. The 7800 XT is five hundred dollars. That's the MSRP, and the mm -hmm. RTX 4090 is what sixteen hundred dollars MSRP. Yes, they're pretty much. So they're not really this. Not really so the same category. They're not, they're not the same category. You could buy three 7800 XTs, give two of them to friends, and still have a hundred dollars left over for a nice meal. And that's yep. how I would go about life. To be perfectly honest, um, I'm more of a good quality mid-range owner. I can play and enjoy the games that I want to. And I've probably got two friends or family members that deserve a graphics card and I'd happily give that to them. So I would go three 7800 XTs for the price of an RTX 4090 and a nice lunch. But the argument for the RTX 4090s are numerous. Obviously, flagship card, very impressive, brutally fast. Enable a gaming experience that no other GPU currently can, whether that be high refresh rate gaming, you know, maximum performance stuff, or really impressive visual qualities, you know, getting to check out tech demos like path tracing, or use stuff like, you know, ultra ray tracing and still get very playable frame rates, even without the need of DLSS at respectable resolutions. So it does it all. 
as you'd expect from a $1,600 GPU. It's definitely the ultimate in that sense, but it's also absurd. And it I, I feel bad for praising a GPU and calling it the best of the generation when it costs $1,600 US and really shouldn't cost mm. that much. It's tough because I feel like the 7800 XT as well, when it at launch MSRPs compared to the 4070 was clearly a very compelling buy. Mm-hmm. But NVIDIA's price cut for mm. the 4070 did narrow that gap mm-hmm. a bit. And mm-hmm. I think while I probably would still buy the 7800 XT, you could make a case for spending a little bit more to buy 4070. It's now just $50 more. Mm. You do get less VRAM and the performance is roughly the same with the Radeon card a little bit faster, but yep. it's got NVIDIA's feature set. So I agree. I think we have to give it to the RTX 4090 for the fact that I appreciate NVIDIA pushing the envelope, even though it's important for them to keep the performance crowns. They were going to do it anyway. They're not, not really a favor to gamers, but I appreciate what the RTX 4090 can do. It's very impressive. Obviously, I love using one. I'm not saying I would buy <laughs> it, but I've got one and I love using it. How uh, many do you have? That's irrelevant. Um, <laughs> uh, we're giving it to the 4090. So to recap, are we going? Are we going to recap worst to best? Yeah, yep. Let's recap worst to best. All right, so to recap, we've got the RTX 4060 Ti 16 gigabyte as the worst, which is almost equally tied with its eight gigabyte variant. They're, they're the worst yep. ones. Then we've got the in in third third worst spot. We've got the RTX 4070 Ti. Then we've got the RTX 4060, which I'm pretty happy with seeing that there. Then the worst Radeon GPU from this generation, we're going with the RX 7600, which I think's a, a pretty fair call there. Uh, then we got the 7700 GRE, which is just like, you know, whatever. 7700 XT, possibly unfairly ranked because it hasn't had a chance to be discounted, but so far we've seen nothing happen there. So it's it's getting a, sort of a mid-tier ranking for us. Then we've got the 7900 XTX, the RTX 4080, the 7900 XT, RTX 4070, 7700 XT, and then the RTX 4090. So I'm pretty comfortable with that list overall i think i don't think there's anything that's massively out of order there no i agree and i think if anything we'll probably be hearing comments about the 7900 xtx from amd fans thinking that that card should be potentially placed above the 7900 xt or higher i think as well there'll be some yeah Mm -hmm. yeah some some discussion about geforce having the four worst products on the market but i think generally (laughs) we have said consistently that the G this GeForce generation is better the higher you go, mm-hmm. and the Radeon generation is probably slightly more optimized just towards sort of the middle of the the range. So mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense that once you've got a product like a seventy eight hundred XT, that the forty sixty Ti instantly becomes like a shocking terrible buy compared to that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would probably put the threshold as sort of like earlier you were saying, this isn't so much a ranking of worst to best, but worst to least bad. (laughs) I think to me, it's only the top two to three, maybe four products that I would count as being good. (laughs) So sort of like there in the rankings are sort of like the good to bad in between the 7900 XT and RTX 4080, we go from... Yeah, I can, okay, I can get a bit of positive positivity around those products and a bit of hype, but everything below that is sort mm-hmm. of, yeah, I'm not in, I'm not enthused about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, would you place that threshold in the same area? Again, the only truly exciting product this generation is the RTX 4090, but the price yes. is dumb. Like the 7800 XT is a 6800 XT with a lower MSRP essentially. Yeah, it's a, it's a smidgen, yeah. like 5% faster on average maybe, a little bit more fuel efficient, 
AV1 encoding, um, maybe improved ray tracing in some regards, but really it's pretty underwhelming. The price is what saves that product. So having a product yeah. saved by price and price alone is pretty underwhelming for after three years. That's not great. Yeah, it's kind of a failed yeah. generation overall, really. It's... um. Yeah, I think there's at least six to seven products that have just never really been worth buying, mm -hmm. either at their launch MSRP, current price, things like that, which is, yeah, certainly much more disappointing than we would normally expect. But mm -hmm. at least, you know, there are rumors that the next generation of graphics cards isn't too far away now, which kind of sounds silly because it seems like this launch has dragged on for a long time. We've only just sort of finished it, but it does sound like we will be getting new GPUs in 2024. Um, probably from Intel, probably from AMD. Not sure whether NVIDIA will make the cut there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the response to that, but that's probably for another topic. But, yeah, I think th those GPU rankings I'm pretty comfortable with. Yep, that's a bit of fun. Final topic, a bit of a quick news one, which is also related to GPU pricing, has been Newegg launching this GPU trade-in program. Mm -hmm. So I guess this is similar to, like, just recently, I bought a new phone, for example, and I traded in my old phone because they gave me a massive amount of money for it, which it definitely wasn't worth. So I traded it in, got a good discount on my new purchase. I was happy. But the, this program doesn't really seem like that because, you know, so the, the idea here is that with the new egg GPU trading program, you exchange your old GPU, you get a bit of credit that you can, you know, use at new egg towards your new GPU. However, the issue is that the value that they've assigned to these GPUs is really bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Tom's Hardware's got a great breakdown of some of the values and prices that they're offering. So it's products like an RTX 3090, they're saying that their trading value for that product is $457. Mm -hmm. You can get for a 3070, about $209. RX 6800, $293. These are just some examples. You mm -hmm. know, at, mm -hmm. An RX 6600, you're looking at $94 of trading value. The, the downside, though, is you're universally better off selling your GPU on eBay. So like a, 47, a 3090, they're offering, as I said, $457 on eBay, according to this Tom's Hardware article. In September, you can get $717 for it. Mm -hmm. So on eBay, you can get nearly 60% more than the Newegg trade-in program. Mm -hmm. I wonder how much insight they've got into people who upgrade their GPUs, just keep them on the shelf or give them to yeah. a friend or something. And they're like, well, we could incentivize people not to put their GPUs on the shelf as like an ornament or some sort of sentimental value. And we could give them money for them. And then we can make more money off reselling them or doing whatever they plan on doing with them. Uh, I guess that's the the plan or maybe, maybe to give them the sort of, Enough. Benefit the doubt's the right word, but you know they're, they're trying. Yeah, because I guess if 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 you have a situation where you were not going to bother selling on eBay because you couldn't be bothered, or you were just going to, yeah, because a lot of people do this. I have friends that you know buy a new computer and they just chuck the parts aside or whatever, even if they are worth a bit of money because they just can't be bothered selling them or it's a bit of a hassle. I can see how it could be useful there. Obviously, if you care about money and getting the the most return on your initial investment, then you would take to eBay. It's kind of a similar thing to, I suppose, you would, not to necessarily the same margins, of course, but 
if you were to trade in your car, for example, at the dealership on a new car, uh, obviously they 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 move the numbers around, so it's unclear exactly how rolled you are getting. Whereas it's much more transparent with this new egg partner program thing, or I'm sorry, G- GPU trading program. But if you trade in your car at a dealership to buy a new car, good chance you're getting absolutely rolled and would have come out much further financially ahead if you had have sold the car privately. Um, yeah. So there's obviously a bit of that going on here, or a lot of that. Yeah, so but, I think it's like the, the toss-up, right, between the convenience of just letting Newegg deal with all of that. You just yeah. send it to them and you don't have to bother with, especially mm-hmm. if you're like eBay, yeah, you can sort of sell it. It kind of deals with itself and you can just ship it off to someone. And then, of course, you slugged a whole bunch of fees. But there's other alternatives as well, like various marketplaces and you know in-person interactions where you actually have to have someone come to your house to pick up the product and mm-hmm. that, that can become a huge And you got to be really careful and- selling on eBay as well. You got to make sure that it's got to be signed for and stuff like that. I've had friends who yeah. have sold products before and they've sent them and then the people have said it never turned up or whatever even though you know there was evidence that it had but there's different ways you got to go about doing that but I suppose there are facilities to to uh provide for those sort of situations but you've got to be aware of it. And it can just be, yeah, someone can wait yeah, and go, exactly. oh, there's a lot of pitfalls and I can't be bothered with all of that. Yeah, I don't know if this is something that necessarily be, needs to be viewed in a negative light. Obviously, there are people who will be taken advantage of by this program, which isn't great. We don't like to see that. But at the same time, it's like you you can, how, how many Google searches do you need to do to find out what your thing's worth and how much you can sell it for? So that really comes under the heading of being lazy. It's not like, when NVIDIA sold you a GT 1030 with DDR4 memory, and it was completely unclear that it had different memory to the other GT 1030 that you'd researched and that performance had been slashed significantly. So I don't think it's that kind of dodgy. An optional well, trade. It's an optional trading program. It should be quite clear that Newegg aren't there doing you a, a little favor and being like, oh, you know, we'll help you out here. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take that off your hands and we'll, we'll probably be able to break even on that transaction. Like, it's pretty clear if any yeah. of these, if any company tries to upsell you or you know offer you some sort of additional service, I think that it's safe to assume that they're making a tidy profit on that. It's like again when you go buy a new car and they're like they take you to the the customer care section or whatever it is and they want to you know charge you for this and that and this protective product and that thing and yeah you, you can usually just skip all of that. Yeah, I'd like to see the margins a little bit narrower between the the value that you can get on eBay and the value mm-hmm. that Newegg's offering. But as mm-hmm. you say, they're, they're a business, right? Like they're not going to just give you yeah. the eBay price because they have to well, receive the card, evaluate it to make sure right. it works. That's right. Like, repackage it, relist it, sell it again. Mm-hmm. And all that time, you know, that takes employee resources, which is obviously why you're not getting the full value that you would get on eBay where you're doing that all the self. Because yeah. effectively, as you, you you sell on eBay, the labor involved is free. You're doing that, whereas you're now having to effectively pay Newegg to do it for you. Yeah, GPU pricing can be volatile as well. So, you know, they, they know that these GPUs at the drop of a hat can drop in value quite significantly, 10%, 20%, 30%, even up to like 50%, depending on what part of the product cycle you're in. I'm sure they'll update that pricing quite regularly as well to try and avoid those situations. But there's there's a lot to take yep. into consideration there. It's not as simple as, you know, they'll make... If they could be guaranteed a 10% profit on everything, then it, it, the margins would probably come down. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what other... I, I, I haven't read too much into it. I haven't seen what people's comments and feedback are on it. But to me, it just seems like, yeah, terrible value program, 
you're better off just selling it yourself. But if you were just going to chuck it on the shelf or essentially do nothing with it, then it's a quick and easy hassle-free way of getting some money back on it. Yep, I agree. All right, let's let's take a break and we'll talk about, again, our boring lives. All right, Steve, we're back. Mm-hmm. And our lives have been just as boring as always. Well, mine, yeah, that's probably true, actually. Mine's been, depending on what your definition of boring is, it's been a little more exciting. You know, I like to play with the power tools and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So I ordered a boatload of Cypress Pine, like sleepers, like 200 mil by 50 mil. Um, really nice quality. What I got the structural stuff. And I made a heap of like bench seats and stuff. Um, I think I put some oh, in yeah. our, our BTS section on the, the Harbor Unbox Discord. So yep. shared that with some of the members. But yeah, made they come really nice. I made seven of those. My wife ordered them. So I had fun making those. I ordered 40 ton of 20 mil gravel. And I used my mini skid steer to move that around and do a lot of landscaping with that. So that was many hours of work to move all of that. I've done a little bit of electrical work. What else have I done? I've done a lot of like odd jobs and things. I mowed the lawns today. That's always fun. Oh yeah, um, nice. Well, the weather's so, been really good, so yeah, good to get out and do that. Very sort of good. Thing. I've, I've sort of po- like I just pause, get changed for the podcast, and and I'll get back in the work gear after we're done here. And I've got to clean the driveway and do a few other things. But yeah, really good weather. I love getting outside and doing that. It's it's a great change of pace from just benchmarking all day. We don't have any benchmark videos planned for about a week and a half, so. I'm just take, enjoying this sort of quieter period where we do the Q&As and all that sort of stuff to get outside and play with the power tools and, and do all of that. So, yeah, I've been doing that the last two days, thoroughly enjoying it, and I'm, I'm keen to get back out there. Well, I am going to recommend people a podcast that I was listening to Ooh. that kept me sane during the Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty Optimization Guide. So those guides, you know, some of that work is fairly tedious, mm. like you're just sitting there capturing some footage, changing the setting, capturing the footage, changing the setting, going through, making sure that things have actually changed as they're supposed to. And this takes hours upon hours to get each of the individual quality settings. And that's before you even benchmark it. So I need I need some entertainment to keep me enthused. It's not visual. So usually if I'm like just benchmarking a monitor or something, I'll watch YouTube videos or TV shows or something. But when you're sort of doing like quality analysis, I don't really have the opportunity to look at a TV show and often they just you not really possible to just listen to some. So mm-hmm. a podcast I want to recommend, which is Tom Scott's Lateral Podcast. So Tom Scott's another YouTuber who does like I'm sure most people know the red shirt guy. He does like those short sort of like this is a cool location or a cool topic or cool thing to to look at on YouTube. And he's sort of like a sort of science educator type guy. I really enjoy his YouTube videos. I find them very interesting when he's going around and doing all those sorts of things. But his podcast is sort of almost like a like a lateral thinking quiz show. So on the podcast, he has like a couple of guests, usually three guests who are other YouTubers who might be other science educators or people like that. And yeah, throughout the show, they're sort of asked these sort of weird, interesting, unique lateral thinking questions, which might be about like a historical topic, but it's phrased in a particularly unusual way where you sort of have to like figure out the puzzle and so the show is basically the guests going through and they're all trying to like solve these questions and problems. And I find it, yeah, pretty interesting. It's kind of like a puzzle, but you're also like learning about various different facts and things as you go. So it's been very engaging to sort of just smash some of those podcasts because they're very digestible. They go for like half an hour, 40 minutes sort of thing. 
interesting facts, some guests, a lot of YouTubers I also recognize in there from sort of their engineering and science type channels. And yeah, it's sort of like just cool, fun vibes, facts. I love that sort of thing. So it's a really good podcast and I'd recommend it. So nice. Tom, Tom Scott's Lateral Podcast, you'll be able to find that in all your podcast directories. And I think they put up clips or maybe the full show on YouTube as well. Not 100% sure on that. I just listened to the audio version. So yeah, a podcast. Now, podcasts are handy for when you're doing all that sort of work. And, you know, I listen to them benchmarking as well. And I, I actually find it helps you focus a bit better. You see, your, your mind doesn't wander off as much as when you it would otherwise when you're doing that repetitive pr process or procedural type testing just over and over and over again. But anyway. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for the Hardware Box podcast for episode six. Mm -hmm. Really enjoyed the discussion. I love ranking those GPUs <laughs> earlier. Hopefully other people enjoyed that discussion as well. Um, we will be back next week mm -hmm. as well. So subscribe, put this in your podcast app, do all that great stuff. And yeah, you can become a Hard Run Box patron or Floatplay member if you really want to support us and our channel. And our Discord community is a great place to chat and give us some feedback on the podcast. And we do. I have been reading a lot of the comments on the, on the videos as well. So appreciate everyone that's been watching so far and giving feedback and yeah, just chatting about it. So yeah, thanks everyone for watching and we'll see you in the next one. See ya. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.